0: All right, welcome to another interview live from Strange Loop 2022. Today we have the, with us uh, Jeremy Brown, who is um, founder and owner of Veradep. How are you today, Jeremy? Good, thank you. All right. How was your first conference day? Oh, it was very good. It's been really
1: great to be back. This is my first post-pandemic conference, so just being back in the technical world has been a joy, and getting to talk to people and hear about all the wild different things that they talk about at Strange Loop.
0: And being a stranger
1: before? Yeah, I came just for a just for ElmConf in 2018 and then realized that there was this really interesting conference following on the tail of ElmConf that I was leaving town and not going to. So I came back in 2019. had a great time. Also did a workshop then. This time I'm just attending as a listener.
0: Good, good. So can you tell us a little bit about your background before we go into your projects? So I have an academic background in computer science. I went to MIT, I was there
1: for a very long time, but I had a good time. When I came out in 2002, I worked in robotics and uh, did that. There was a brief interval with airline software, but I worked for somebody else's robot company for a few years, airline software, which we won't talk about much, and then uh, started a robotics company and ran that with my co-founder of that firm from 2008 to 2016. Was that robotics startup doing good? Uh, that did, we did great until we didn't. So we closed it down pretty much in 2016. Uh, and I went to work for the company that acquired our team for a few years, then took a little time off. And then right before pandemic, thought I would start Virideft. And uh, so I incorporated Veradeft in, I want to say, November 2019. And then, of course, the world shut down in March of 2020. Uh, so there was a, there's been a bit of delay getting things launched, but, uh, you know, Things are mostly back on track. The kids are back in school full time. And it's been, it's been a real pleasure to be able to work hard on this for the last year
0: and a half to yeah. get somewhere. Yeah. This is not, yeah, it's not your first startup? No, uh, this is my second startup. Yeah. To introduce what is the goal of this startup, I wanted to ask you maybe an uh, out of context question, but it's going to introduce us to the context of the startup. What is the problem with estimates? Estimating projects, estimating your task activities, what can go wrong? Well, there's a lot of things that can go wrong.
1: And I think one of them is that often as technical, as, as developers or as frontline technical managers, you can be asked to work on a project, to complete a project with a set of goals and based on estimates that were done by other people. Right. You may not have been at the table at all during the estimation process. right? And so that's obviously a major problem because often the, the people doing the estimate don't really appreciate the scale of the work or the details of the work that, that, that make the scale what it is. Uh, but I, I think also in, in many cases, even when teams are given the opportunity to do estimates, the tools we have for doing those and the way we're in the main taught to do estimates don't do a good job addressing the variability in software tasks. So if you take an individual software task, right, if everything goes right, it'll take an hour, and everything goes wrong, it's four to eight hours because it starts by, like, changing your your operating system to get the packages you need, right? So estimating point estimates where you just pick a single number generally adds up to a wildly over-optimistic outcome. And so... You know, this is reflected in, I mean, the definition of failure is, of course, fungible, and many people don't like to say it, but there's, there's sort of annual reports on the rate of software and IT project failure that flip the number around 50% failure in the sense of a significant overrun of your budget or your deadline or just failing to deliver entirely, right? So it may be better to talk about what, what, what can good estimates do, right? Yes, yeah. Right, good estimates, like one of the early things is a good estimate, If you can make an estimate that provides actionable information, right? That's a good estimate, right? And so a good estimate is one where you might decide not to do a project. Right up front, say, whoa, this is bigger than we thought. Somebody expressed this really well at an informal chat I was earlier today. It can be the basis of a conversation between the team that's going to do the work and the client, whether that's an internal manager client or an external client, say, here's our initial estimate based on what we understand you're asking for. Here's the high-level work plan. Here's what we think it's going to take. That will take longer than you hoped. That will take more money or more people than you hoped. Do we understand your problem correctly? Do you understand the work that we say we need to do? And how do we adjust things until we're doing less work or understand that some of this work is unnecessary or you can modify your expectations about price and timeline, right? you can have that conversation when you have a good estimate and it's almost impossible to have a good estimate if, you don't, if it's not sort of part of a plan, right? It doesn't have to be a detailed plan at first, but you can have a conversation around the things you're going to do and why you're going to do them and how much time they're going to take. But you got to have the artifact to have that conversation. It's an anchor, sort of a common framework for that discussion up front. and then. If if you grant me the hypothesis that this can be done and not painful, if you update your estimates in a running project as you complete tasks, as you partially complete tasks, or even as you discover new work and add it, you can track how your project is doing, right? And w- monitor your projected conclusion. Are you on track to hit that deadline? If you're off, like, that's a good time when you notice that early to figure out, are you going to add resources, cut scope, whatever you're going to do, you're not going to surprise the client by showing up at the last minute with a problem. You're going to start socializing them about it now and say, this is a problem, how are we going to solve it together? But if you're not tracking through the execution of the project and something runs away, you may not discover that in sort of the fog of war during the project until very close to the end. And then it's too late to make intelligent decisions about what scope to cut. The scope that
0: gets cut is whatever you didn't finish yet. Okay, uh, so uh, I assume this Reasoning went into the ideas that you are introducing in your product. Yes, absolutely. And I want to say, I'm not introducing the ideas in my project.
1: These ideas and the specific approach predate my product, but they're not well, they're not particularly well taught just to new developers or technical managers, and they're not part of the culture and they're not part of the tooling we have, generally speaking. So, we, in a prior startup, actually implemented the techniques. That I'm now implementing a Veradept as a product, right? Yeah. And there, the literature on this probabilistic estimation has a pedigree. I can give you some books for your show notes you that people can read helpful. to learn more about this. Uh, I mean, the two that I'll mention off the top of the head are Waltzing with Bears by DeMarco and Lister, which is about risk management, but that's just a particular kind of estimation and uh, it's a quick and easy read and it introduces you to probabilistic thinking about your projects in the context of risk. And then Software Estimation Demystifying the Black Art by Steve McFonnell, which is a, a thicker tome, but really walks you through, again, how hard it is to do a point estimate accurately, but techniques for getting usable and valuable estimates anyhow. Okay. Right, so I, I want to point at all of that as
0: informing what we've done. Oh, very good. And so we didn't mention that the product we're talking about is called BoomCheck. Yep, DoomCheck, as in check if you are doomed. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, so, that's an interesting so thing. So, doomcheck.com. Yeah, Yeah. So, I've been looking at the tool for yeah, a little bit to mm-hmm. understand what it Fantastic. does. Fantastic. I've seen that uh, you mentioned that it simulates thousands of scenarios. I understand correctly. Right. I just wanted to understand. A little bit of the mechanism. Sure. So when you write a plan in DoomCheck,
1: so one of the ways I try to make this attractive to developers is to have it look, your plan is one document, it is a text document, it happens to be marked up in markdown, so you can list out tasks and sections or bullets or however it makes sense to you to describe the work you're going to do, and then you attach estimates as little annotations and curly braces to say something like one to four hours or 5 to 10 hours, whatever it is, and you can put those on a very fine-grained, line-by-line basis. And the general thing I say is, before you start to actually do the work, probably you don't want anything larger than 40 hours, right? When you're doing the initial estimate, go, you, maybe you want bigger buckets because you're doing a very small breakdown, but when you come to work, break it down pretty small. So anyhow, you put these ranges in, and we fit a curve to them so we have a sort of probability distribution for an individual curve. And again, I encourage people to put in large ranges, factor of four, right? Kind of ranges because those are realistically the uncertainties you're dealing with in software development. So then we simulate lots of different outcomes for every single range and roll those numbers up. So if you imagine, look, if I have one coin and I flip it, say one side is zero, the other side is one, I'm gonna get a zero or a one. It's a very big distribution. But if I have a hundred coins and I flip them, I'm gonna get very close to 50 heads right? It won't be exactly, but the variation will be very small in the middle of that. And so what we're doing, it's not a, a coin toss, it's a continuous curve, but we are just pick, you know, saying for each outcome, you've got 10 tasks, we're going to pick a random outcome for each of those tasks. And then, you know, they're in a section, we'll sum those up that, and, and we'll determine the probability distribution of each section. And then we'll do it again to take the sections up, you know, the subsections to the sections to the project plan. So for every section and for the overall project, you get a probability distribution of how many hours you'll have to put in to complete the work you've described.
0: Yeah, it's very scientific. It makes sense also. Health. Good. So I had the look, and yes, indeed, the interface of the tool mm-hmm. is quite simple. You can enter your... Yeah, no, that that's good to know that it's a markdown, so no vendor lock-in, so to yeah. speak, when you create your estimates. It, it, well,
1: certainly there's no vendor lock-in on the content, and a particular thing is, unlike, say, Jira, you do not have to go through a series of clicking to create a new task to attach information to. You just add a line to your markdown file as you go. And I have users who literally will start a sprint by opening the buffer on a screen with the team in the room and they'll just talk and add estimates and they'll hit preview every once in a while until they've got about enough work to fill
0: the sprint. Is there any plan to, I'm not sure if it works already on mobile, but I was curious because it looks like something that you might want in your soul for like regular updates. Right. So there's no mobile app. I I would love to do one at some point, but
1: the team is small (laughs) at the moment, but the website should. Work pretty well on a mobile device. If anybody has trouble with any mobile, they can contact me and I'll try and make it right. But it
0: should work fine as a website on a mobile device. Speaking of the startup life, so you are a single developer at the moment? I am a solo solo Solo. at the moment, yep. And what brought you from robotics into this other area? You didn't want to do robotics again. Well,
1: I mean, I'd done robotics for quite a while, but I'd, I'd grown to feel more and more. So at multiple stages in my career, I'd felt burned by either bad plan or no plan or or even malicious plans where management deliberately underestimated the work to get a bid, but then turned around and said, Well, we we underestimated it, but you all have to do it anyhow, and that means evenings, that means weekends. And that had happened enough in my career working for other people. And then we'd had crunches in our in my last startup that I started to feel very strongly about good project planning in the sense of plans that are good, the plans to provide value to the people who do the work. Right. And, and so I, I just I think I'm very strongly convinced that giving developers and technical managers a tool to actually figure out how much work this'll be, how much work is remaining, that's low overhead and high value and that empowers them to have an informed conversation with management. Like the industry needs this. <laughs> and I have been burned so many times personally by not having it. When we put together the first, like, uh, some of these techniques at my last startup and it worked, I was like, whoa, why
0: isn't everybody able to do this? Okay. So, so that might practice. be the answer also to the question, what would you do differently from the last startup in this new venture? Oh
1: my goodness. Some of the things I'm doing differently are just to try something different, right? Last time was we were doing robotics work with large companies. So this time I'm aiming much more at individuals. So to the extent there's companies that want to bring this on, and I think there are consulting companies and nonprofits and others who might want to start using these techniques, I'm happy to support them in doing that. But I'm also hoping to reach individual developers and like said, frontline technical managers directly and get an organic uptake rather than doing a a B2B sales cycle.
0: Is there anything else that we forgot to mention that you want to add? I don't know if if your audience is interested
1: in the tech stack, I'd be happy to talk about that. Uh, Tech the, the technology stack. Oh, oh yeah, uh, sure, yes, absolutely. So the, uh, the front end is entirely in Elm. Oh, okay. I just find it a delightful environment to work in, having a, a great deal of fun for programming in, in Elm. The back end is in Go, which I chose ultimately because it's pretty lightweight and compiles very quickly, and it's a small enough language I can keep it in my head. And I found as a, as a solo developer working in a full stack context, it helps to be able to switch context quickly. And so smaller languages like Elm and Go work better for me than trying to retain the entirety of Rust or, or frankly, even JavaScript, when
0: I'm switching back and forth between, you know, on a regular basis. It's an interesting combination. I never heard of an Elm from 10 with a Go backend. Maybe it's just yep. me not being part of that world. It's no, I, I don't know. I haven't run into anybody else doing it. I know but Go is very quick in creating services. Yep. So I guess so you have that kind of interaction with the front end and the backend. Is it hosted You know. Well, no. uh,
1: AWS, it's in DigitalOcean, but yeah, it's cloud hosted uh, backend is a Postgres database and, and will be until that breaks and given that like we'd stack overflow is still running on Postgres,
0: I, I would love to run into that problem someday, but it's not something that keeps you awake right now. All right. Well, best of luck for Thank you very this much. new adventures. Uh, yeah. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. for Please. Taking the time. it was a pleasure to learn something different than you. No. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.